0: thanks for tuning in to Spill It. We love having you here. Our mission is to give you a glimpse into the performer's mindset and uncover what it takes to harness, control and use our personal skill set to achieve ultimate success. And now, please welcome your host,
1: the nunchuck spinning, roundhouse kicking, backflip, Flipping chaos Samson! <laughs> okay.
0: Joining us today in the Virtual Spill Studio is actor, stunt performer, and budding filmmaker, Andriana Garbizo. Nice to see you again. After meeting you at the Adrenaline Experience in Vegas, I knew that I had to have you on the show. I have so many questions, so let's just dive in. All
1: right, sounds great.
0: Working in the stunt industry is definitely not for everyone. Did you always know that you wanted to be a stunt woman?
1: I wish I knew I always wanted to be a stunt woman. Um, I knew as a kid, I loved action movies. I grew up on you know Wonder Woman and The Fall Guy, and thought, "Wow, that's so cool, but you don't really know what you don't know, And so I just thought I want to be an actor or an action actor. Mm-hmm. But my parents had me on a pretty hard career path for college. <laughs> <laughs> like I of always knew I was going to college. So anytime I had the opportunity to do acting, it never went beyond theater. So even sure. when someone really wanted to go to L.A. and do an acting thing, it was you can. But it kind of like had that back into guilt trip where you're like, oh, it's OK. <laughs>
0: yeah, that one. Yep. And so you mentioned going to college. Did you ever consider another career path? Like, you mentioned your parents and everything, so.
1: I was a communications major because I did tons of sports. I was a very outgoing person and big personality, but didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had some ideas here and there. There were different times in my life where I thought I was on a specific career path, and then you kind of dive into it and realize, I don't think I want to do this for the rest of my life. So I went to college for wakeboarding and took a bunch of classes and got a degree.
0: Wow, okay. (laughs) That's something much different. and It might come in handy at some point, but that is something much different.
1: Yes, I actually, I did, I did discover that I wanted to be an ESPN2 news reporter and was a news producer straight out of college, but it wasn't quite the same thing. The environment was pretty toxic and I just had to get out and then reinvent myself.
0: Makes sense. So how did you get into stunts then?
1: By accident, but not really by accident. I think fate came back around and redirected me. Um, so post-midlife crisis, post-divorce, rediscovering myself, uh, i had actually gotten into acting first, started acting for film, and um, then took a workshop. So Arnold Chan and James Liu came to my town and were doing a stunt workshop, and I thought, oh, that makes sense. I used to fight, I did karate, I did kickboxing. Let's do this, (laughs) it'll support my film career. And absolutely fell in love with it and just made a hard path to that's what I need to do now.
0: Wow. And so what have your experiences been working in a male dominated industry?
1: Well, luckily I have a lot of experience working in male dominated industries (laughs) because I am a Gen X kid. A lot of the jobs I had were male dominated. So I think I fit in very well. But a lot of times the result is sometimes I think I'm the only chick in the room when it comes to either stunts or being in a certain scene. I'm the only fighter chick in the room with a bunch of dudes. So on one hand, I'm happy to have the work and it's great to, you know, have that recognition. But in the same respect, it's kind of sad because there should be more women in the room.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so how did you train to get to such a level that you're at now?
1: I was lucky enough to find um, XMA, which I believe is now with 87 North. So Mike Chat, who used to be a Power Ranger, does a stunt school. And the first thing he says is, you can learn stunts on the internet. You can go YouTube stuff and learn how to fight and fight choreography. I'm here to teach you the business. And when I heard that, I said, take my money. Because (laughs) that's what you need to know. People don't realize. Acting is a business. Stunts is a business. And you need to learn how to get into the business and how to stand out and succeed.
0: Exactly. And I know I myself take acting classes and that's exactly what it's for. Like, yes, you need to learn how to act, how to do stunts. And those people are great for like fine tuning and everything. But it's the actual industry and all those little things that you don't hear about as someone who's not actually in the industry that are the most important things. And they can save you sometimes. Absolutely.
1: And I think that is why so many people will I hate to say the F word and fail, but like, they'll move to LA, have no idea what they're doing. And then five years later, they're moving back home. Because they never learned the business, people didn't take the time or they didn't have the right mentors. And if you don't learn the business, you will not succeed.
0: Exactly. Like I one of the first things I was taught was it's not what you know, it's who you know, you can know all the stuff in the world. But if you don't know anyone that can get you out there or help you move forward, it doesn't matter. It does not matter what you know. And so I'm like, exactly. As soon as I heard that, it was one of those. OK, you you know what you're talking about. You know, 100 percent what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. Another saving grace that I learned uh, through my chat is he said, look at your peers, look at the people that you're training and coming up with. They are not your competition. They might be better for a job than you, but they might not be available at that time or vice versa. And yeah. you want to be able to throw each other jobs or bring each other up so don't look at it in a dog eat dog kind of way like bring each other up train with each other work with each other network with each other because who knows they might need five latinas instead of one (laughs) exactly
0: I mean that is also something I really like in the acting community and it was a similar thing with martial arts is yes there's a few people where it's like you feel like you're almost in a constant competition or something like that but It's a very supportive industry for the most
1: part, right? And I think a common thing too is people who get into this business are creatives. Like that is their passion. That is their, you know, that's what fuels them is being creative or being expressive. Um, I don't know a single stunt performer or actor that's just super hardcore analytical or super hardcore amiable. There is a creative side to them and that expressiveness is what they're trying to get out and make a career out of. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And so what is something that most people don't know about working in the stunt world?
1: A little bit of what you said is is the networking, how important networking is. Um, You may not be the best fighter in the room, but if you know how to connect with people, you'll 100% get more jobs. But it doesn't mean you go out and train and just network. Um, but because it, it is like that, that's a big thing. People don't see it as a business. They don't see acting in stunts as a normal career. So they, they don't think of it as a business mind. You have to be professional every day you go to training, every day you go on set, no matter if you're working background, working stunts, an acting job. If you're not professional, that's what people remember. Every exactly. time you go to work, every time you go to train, you're making a first impression with someone you haven't met yet. And all those PAs move up. They don't say PAs or, or you know, first director, new directors. Every, everybody starts somewhere and moves up. So you have to make those connections and be respectful to everyone and take people's feedback with a grain of salt. Well,
0: and that is also something that I learned very easy, like early, not easy on, um, is you have to watch everything you do, because just like in a court of law, anything you say can and will be used against you. <laughs> so you <laughs> have to be careful. You have to yeah. be
1: yeah, one thing that keeps coming up is um as the kind of baby boomer generation of coordinators is moving on, I'm finding more and more of them trying to mentor. But maybe the people they're trying to mentor aren't always receptive. Sometimes there are these online forums. And if someone gets negative feedback, they don't take it well because, you know, they're used to social media speak instead of business speak. So mm-hmm. sometimes if you're too reactive to someone's feedback, that can hurt you in the long run because one, it can be seen as you're not listening, or B, you're putting out content that's not quality, they don't want to hire you, something like that. So you just never know. So everything you put out online, everything you put out of your mouth, <laughs> exactly, yeah. can work for or against you.
0: Now, let's shake things up a bit with our first fillet segue, which is a speed round of Would You Rather. Three questions, 30 seconds on the clock. Are you ready? Oh, I'm so nervous. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Would you rather lose all of the money you've earned this year or lose all of the memories you've gained this year? Money. (laughs) (laughs) I would agree. I would agree. Definitely. (laughs) Memories mean everything to me. (laughs) 100%. And I mean, I mean, I'm not a full on adult, so I've not earned a whole lot of money this year. So it's not a huge loss, but still. (laughs) (laughs) Would you rather have the lights on or off if you knew the room was full of snakes?
1: Oh, <laughs> on, on, because I'd be looking for my escape route. Like, what are my options here? How do I get out of this thing? On.
0: I, I would, Okay, I would have to agree. Like, part of me is like, mm, I don't, I don't know if I want to know my current situation, but one of those, it's like, okay, you need to know if something's coming at you and how to get away from it. If you're in pitch, like pitch darkness, if that's a word, you're not going to know. It's just, you hope for the best.
1: So... My girl brain already went to, what type of thing they have to wrap around? Can they jump at you? <laughs> yeah, there's that. there's that.
0: All right. Would you rather flip a coin for a chance to win $200 or immediately get 100? Immediately get 100.
1: The coins are not in my favor.
0: I, I would agree. Like, I feel like if it was a lesser amount, like, you know, 20 bucks or something, I would take the chance. But like, I would like that 100 bucks. There's a lot I can do with it.
1: Yeah, I'm not a great gambler, but still, it's a, you know, it's opportunity.
0: Yeah, there's that. All right. And now what goes into choreographing a fight scene? I
1: personally am not a coordinator, but from what I've seen and what I understand, uh, one, how does this action serve the scene? How is it going to enhance it, make it better? Obviously, camera angles, strength of the fighters. So the woman who coordinated for Glow, uh, that TV show on Netflix that I wish was still around, she would actually look at the fighter's strengths and weaknesses to choreograph what kind of fights they wanted to do. So not just saying, hey, woman, go do this, and not knowing what they're capable of, but actually working through, looking at their skills and bringing that into the forum. So that I think is really cool when they actually fight design instead of, okay, we just want this 18-beat hit. Exactly, and I feel like that's
0: something that, a lot of people don't realize that actually goes into building some of your favorite action scenes. Because I know even before I got into stunts and everything, looking at action movies like Marvel or something, you're like, that just happens. Just They just know what to do. No. There's someone who has to build the scene, get the actors to learn it, memorize it, and film. Like, there's so much that goes into it.
1: But when you don't yes. know, it's just like
0: magic, poof. They knew what they were doing.
1: I have had the privilege of hearing some coordinators bent you know, post-show or years later after something didn't work well. And you know, there's always a, a director or somebody who wants this mega crazy action shot, but maybe it's not in the budget. Maybe they can't find the right person to do it. Maybe it doesn't make sense with the scene because someone has this bright idea. So it's really breaking it down and seeing what's feasible. And again, does it go back to does it serve the story or are we just doing it to do it?
0: Exactly. And now how much practice do you need before perfecting a
1: stunt? As much as possible, proficiency, because honestly, when they think the fight scene is going to be pretty minimal and they don't do a lot of um, training with the actor. So say they have the actor do their own fight scene and they don't get enough practice, someone ends up getting hit. Or if they use former athletes for a scene, because they're like, oh, I can train them. You know, it's just five beats. We can work it. We can train them. But then you get amped up in the moment. You do. Like, that adrenaline builds because you're like, great, it's go time. Someone yelled action. And a lot of times people get hit. So training, 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 whereas step professionals, they're constantly working their craft. There is no, I'm going to go get certified, and now I can do this job. Yeah. Training is ongoing. And with that, professional actors have ongoing acting training. Professional stunt performers continue to train as well.
0: mm mm-hmm. Definitely. And it really is, honestly, a risky business because no matter how much training you do, there is always a small possibility that you're going to get hit. And there are some scenes, um, when I did some filming up in Toronto, where you are actually supposed to get hit. Like, not hard, but enough to do, like, an actual push kick, like, actually hit you in the stomach. So, It's risky, but like no matter how much practice, you have to know going into it that there's a possibility that you're getting hit.
1: Absolutely. With punches, you have the two dimensional camera where you can hide, work angles, and you're you could be three feet away from the person and make it look like a connect. Yeah. But yes, when it comes to close combat fighting, where it's like you said, the push kick, you should have contact with the toes on the abdomen or, you know, wherever you're trying to kick. There is contact, but it shouldn't be all out contact. And I hear it from guys all the time that they did this one show with this one guy and they really, really got soft or they really got hit. or And, it, and it's sad because it shouldn't be that way. You sh- shouldn't have to come out damaged. You should be able to work another day.
0: Exactly. And now I'm very excited for this question, but what is the craziest thing that's happened while you were on set?
1: Okay, so there's not a lot of improv fights. I, I hope you can imagine that everything is typically rehearsed improv fights. <laughs> We had a rehearsal, but this was literally billed as an improv fight. So we were in an office to work out a scene for a Walmart style fight. Hope I, it's okay to use that word. Yeah. <laughs> Big box store fight, however you <laughs> want to say it. Um, so we're working out an improv fight because there's a whole thing with YouTube where people fight in stores and videotape it and mm-hmm. it goes by. So that was the scene for this particular show. So we're in an office putting together this choreo, walking through. They have taped the area of the aisles, how big the aisles are gonna be. We throw out some action. In the rehearsal, I grab a bag of chips and smash it over someone, so chips are all over the room. So the day, the day that we're actually shooting, there's a giant, giant tub of cheese puffs, right? (laughs) Costco-sized cheese puffs, right? So unfortunately, in the first take, that gets smashed open, and we all hit the floor like Bambi on ice. We're talking cheese powder everywhere. Now, I don't know if you know how much grease is in that, but once you Probably. see it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so literally no one could stand. The cheese puffs dusted the entire room and everybody just hit the floor. When you tried to stand, you just hit the floor again. It was crazy. And then so all the PAs had to come in and try and push all of the cheese powder aside just so we could do another take. And that happened on the first scene. So we're already covered in cheese dust. Turn again, clean ourselves off for the next take, just be able to stand. And that, I'd say that was the craziest because it was so unexpected. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'd just say, like, that was not an expected answer. Like, I was expecting some more melon. And then you're like, nope, cheese puffs everywhere. Just
1: <laughs> of all the things, too, cheese puffs everywhere. Cheese puff, dust, and Bambi on ice, just like, poop, bam. Like, you couldn't even stand up. I would like to see that actually,
0: like very much so. I have Somebody's to. Somebody's going have some behind the scenes footage. That was on Reno nine one one. Okay, I definitely. I'm going to look this up. I need to know. I need to see if there's behind the scenes footage. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't make the cut
1: <laughs> because we couldn't carry on. We couldn't improv through it. Everybody's just on the floor. Kill the scene.
0: Sorry, yeah, no hit point. up
1: Terry Kennedy Silver and see. Hey, do you guys have any behind the scenes Reno footage with cheese puff dust? <laughs>
0: definitely okay and I have to ask did anyone try and eat the cheese puffs not that I saw
1: (laughs) I like how that's
0: the important the important answer is you're just like not that I saw not that I saw I kind of hope not they've been on the floor and on people but I had to ask
1: yeah most of the performers I worked with with the exception of one I think they were all older than me so probably not
0: And now what happens when there's a stunt you don't feel comfortable doing? You don't do it. A
1: hundred percent. You don't do it because one, you're risking life and limb. Two, you're going to make the coordinator look bad and they're never going to hire you again. So it's just way, way too much risk. Like that is not the way to get ahead. And I love that the culture is changing, that they are trying to make it more comfortable for people to speak up. And honestly, if it's something big, if it's not your basic fight, choreo, 30-foot fall that you've trained for, um, then they really should be telling you ahead of time what the action is. Because I, I will admit, I work a lot of TV, and I'm not always told what the gag is, and they don't always know what the gag is. They might have an idea, but there's so many times I'll pick up a I'll pick up a gig for TV, and they don't tell me because in their mind it's something simple. But again, it's usually fight, choreo, or mob scene, or whatever. But um, if it's a fall, or a fire, or something big they should be telling you ahead of time so you can say I do or don't feel comfortable with that it should not come down to you being on scene unless they hired you for something else and then they change things up you know like oh I don't want them to fall downstairs. I now want them to go out a window are you comfortable with that you can emphatically say no
0: um and now okay did you say not the 30 foot fall that you've trained for is that (laughs) what you just said
1: Oh yes, so fall. Okay, so some of the basics of stunts are fights and falls. So falls, there are four basic falls that you should know, and if you don't, go look it up. But um, thirty feet because they can train an actor for anything shorter. If it's a ten foot fall and they've got a bag, they've got pads. You know, a lot of actors seem to be willing to do shorter falls. But a stunt professional should be able to fall from at least thirty feet, and then you know, if you specialize in it and want to do that then you'd go higher. But a basic fall height for a stunt performer is 30 feet.
0: Wow, I have a lot of work to do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, 30 feet, the the basic fall, the basic fall. Let's just touch on that, the basic fall is 30 feet.
1: Yeah, but if you've got a 15 foot high airbag, then you've reduced your fall by 15 feet. Well, not totally because the airbag does decompress, so it's slowing you down. But again, you're making contact at about fifteen feet, so yeah, it's a full fall. But you know, so what's the oh, highest that you've ever done? I've only done it in training. I've done okay. uh, thir- I've done thirty feet in training, but okay. yeah, I have been on set and watched people fall into boxes as well. It's not always an airbag. There's not always room. But again, at least half your height, you know, for for a thirty footer, maybe even a forty footer, is either going to be your height's either going to be reduced by half or a quarter. Jeez.
0: Oh my god! It's I just like how casually you said that though. It's just like sometimes it's boxes; they
1: just don't have real. Um, I'll, I'll um, be honest with you. I love heights. Um, before this career, I hated falling, so I was not a person who ever wanted to or liked to fall. I did the bungee jump thing, um, but I, you know, I'm not a skydiver kind of person. Yeah. So if if I have more of a chance of survival, I'll take that route, which is why I wanted to bungee jump. <laughs> but I feel like there's way too high a risk in jumping out of a plane. But no, I, I had an amazing coordinator that does workshops that taught me I fully trusted. Um, but again, if, if he didn't have the rig, the setup, the experience, then it wouldn't have been the same show. But like, okay, I'm going to climb this scaffolding. I'm going to do this because you wouldn't have even wanted to. Go up in the first place if you didn't have that trust and know that person knew what they were talking
0: about yeah and now okay i have to say i'm the completely opposite to you in the sense of i'll jump out of a plane no problem but yet bungee jumping is like a no not at all i i'm a little like for some reason i'm like jumping out of an airplane with multiple parachutes can do no problem cord diving 50 feet <laughs> no no but was it fun
1: Yeah, absolutely. And because you have your peers watching you, you don't scream. Like you just like, it just happens because normally if I'm going to jump or, you know, I'm snowboarding, I'm going off a cliff or something, I'm a screamer. Like my nickname on ski patrol was Banshee because when I'm having fun and I'm excited and like, I get a little bit of thrill going on, I scream. Like it just, it just happens. But when I was practicing the 23 up to the 30 foot, I was just like, nope. Just going to do what I'm told. <laughs> yep. It's nice to have a little bit of peer
0: pressure is good. Just a little, a little bit. bit yes. It's good. So when working in stunts, injuries are bound to happen. But what's the worst injury you've gotten from a job?
1: Luckily, my worst is not that bad. It's just kind of an occasional flare-up. But um, I, unfortunately, early on, had allowed a stunt coordinator to not, – not only a stunt coordinator, more of a fight coordinator – um talked me into taking a body slam with a uh without a pad we're outdoors it was dirt and you know he kind of stomped on the ground and was like oh it's pretty soft <laughs> and it was like a jujitsu throw and um landed on my hip well, i don't think that was like the worst of it but what happened in training one of the times the guy threw me and we missed the pad completely and i had hit the floor then And what I also forgot about was three years earlier, I got hit when I was on my bike and I landed on my hip. So I think those three things compounded that they never bothered me before. But after that day on that set, on that particular fight choreo, um, agreeing to, you know, take the fall without the pad and, you know, trying to be tough and just keep moving. um, I think that that's what jacked me up a little bit because every once in a while I can't sleep on my right side, but it doesn't keep me from working. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, That's good and bad, but that's good that it doesn't keep you from working.
1: No, it's just one of those extra things on the list of stretching and flexibility that I have to work on to keep it from flaring up.
0: Exactly. And now something else I've realized is in movies in particular, in terms of wearing, like, actual gear, like, um, it's called an armadillo and it's, like, to protect your spine and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But stuff like that, in a lot of movies... Uh, women cannot wear them because they're, they don't have all the clothing on. Most times it's like a spaghetti strap tank top or something or a crop top. And you can't what? have something long or like a padded shirt or anything on because there's nothing to cover it.
1: Right. I know women who have ridden motorcycles in slinky dresses and high heels. And you have, you know, Emmy Award winning Julie Michaels, who was completely naked in, uh, (laughs) was it Point Break? You know, where she uh, is in a drug house and jumps on a guy. I think it was, I don't know if it's Keanu Reeves or one of the other characters, but, you know, has to do stunts completely naked, getting slammed against a wall. So, yeah, women uh, definitely have challenges that men do not in the industry. Yep.
0: Yep. Because that is honestly, like, again, one of the first things my acting coach was talking about is, oh, you know, like, on set, you might not be able to wear this stuff because a lot of the costumes are. And I'm like, okay, that's a problem right there. The fact that, like, I'm already being told that, hey, you, you need to have access to this gear, but be prepared to train without it because you probably won't be able to wear it.
1: Right. And honestly, on my last two jobs, for whatever reason, you know, you, you turn in your sizes ahead of time. So they know what sizes you're supposed to be. Kind of always used to trip me up because I'm like, do I size up a little bit in case I need to wear pads? Do I give them my true sizes? You never really know. So either way, the last two jobs I worked, they didn't even have my size in wardrobe. And it was very frustrating and annoying because I'm like, everything was either too small or way too big. And I turned in my sizes in advance and I'm like, how am I supposed to do my job?
0: <laughs> yeah, there's there's that too. Okay, it's time for spilt segue number two called Factor Fiction. As quickly as you can, answer the following questions. All right, Factor Fiction, your business name for filmmaking is Conflicted Films.
1: True. Fact.
0: <laughs> and Factor Fiction, you have a dog. Um, false. My
1: son has a dog. <laughs> what What kind of dog is it? He's a standard red poodle who survived uh-huh. something called Parvo. Uh, that grossly stunted his growth. So he looks like a medium-sized dog because he's super tiny for a standard, but he's too big to be a toy.
0: <laughs> okay. And fact or fiction, there's no gain in playing
1: it safe. True. That is okay. correct. I totally believe that.
0: Okay. And how does a person go about breaking into the stunt world?
1: Breaking into the stunt world ooh, of finding really good instructors for a start, uh, having a network of people around you that believe in you and you know will help you keep going even when it gets a little tough. Uh, you also need to probably have some business skills because you don't get jobs all the time. So you need to be savvy in figuring out how to make it financially because you might get one job a month. Uh, when you start out you might have one job in a year, you know, <laughs> you know, you never know. So yeah, getting started in the stunt business one is doing your homework, finding out you know what stunt schools are reputable. There have definitely been stunt schools that were pretty bunk and didn't have, you know, had people with false IMDb credits and weird stuff like that. So doing your networking, reaching out, talking to people and finding out who's legit and why, why do you go to this person or why do you recommend this person instead of just, you know, yellow pages. I know that doesn't exist anymore, but.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then which hurdles did you personally face and how did you overcome them?
1: I feel like. Coming into the business um, as a grown woman opposed to a kid, my challenges were different because as I mentioned, um, divorced, single mom, and uh, one, I didn't live in LA when I started my career. I lived in Las Vegas. So on the weeks I didn't have my son, I was running to LA, couch surfing for a while, training every moment I could when I didn't have him, and then running back. So I was literally splitting my month between training and being a mom. So One, being a grown ass person, having to juggle the finances, Two, I didn't even sleep on people's couches in college, but I was willing to do it for my career, you know, as a grown up. And so, yeah, my hustle has been very different from, say, someone in their 20s getting into the business.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, even for myself, I don't have to worry about any of that because I'm 13. So I don't have to worry
1: (laughs) about any of that whatsoever. And I've met your parents. They seem very supportive. That's amazing. You know, um, with my generation, a lot of it was you know doctors, lawyers, nurses, secretaries, uh, blue collar jobs. Uh, but then you know, after living in Vegas where my son grows up, um, man, there are jobs you would have never thought of. You could float on a bubble in a pool and get paid for it. You can pretend to be a ballerina and get paid for it. I mean, there the possibilities are endless these days. It's insane.
0: I mean, I went to Vegas for adrenaline, that was my first time there, and there was a lot of weird things that I felt like. There was one uh person whose whole job was not to run the VR or anything, like he was working at a VR place, just to stand there and, and greet people, and I'm like...
1: Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a plethora. Um, I started coming to Vegas as a kid, too, because I did martial arts for seven years, and our big, huge tournament of the year was always in Vegas, so... I feel like I saw some things back then, but way there's way more now, things that like d- would blow most people's minds.
0: And if you could work with a particular stunt coordinator, who would it be?
1: Oh, my goodness. Okay. So this one I have thought about, and um, but I really, really want to work with some of the more early on groundbreaking people like LaFaye Baker. I think she would be amazing to work for, to just one you know learn what she's learned but two learn how she learned it you know what did she go through coming up in the business because i don't look like a lot of leading ladies so yeah. you know it's not like i'm going to be a professional double like i have doubled women but i'm not going to be anyone's regular double i don't think because of my body type my age my size you know my color <laughs> so lefay being a trailblazer would be amazing to work for because she really knows she's been there and she has a lot of experience but and again, like you've got really cool people like Zoe Bell, that would be super fun to learn from and be on set with because, you know, she's done some really cool and amazing stunts. So I don't know. I, I would say any of my top would probably be a female coordinator because they've gone through it. And um, just the other day, I Googled, you know, top female stunt performers, and it's hard to get correct answers or accurate answers. And what came up was highest grossing coordinators. I think Melissa Stubbs was the only person in the top 100. And she was down at number sixty-seven. So (laughs) I can't say there's any one coordinator I really want to work for. I've already achieved that goal. I really wanted to work with Eddie Perez and I've got to work with him twice this year. So that was really cool. Yeah, I know. I I just put things out in the universe and they happen. Now now I want to, you know, feature film blockbuster doing something cool like blow me up in an Abrams movie or a Bruckheimer movie. Like that's the next thing I'm putting out in the universe.
0: And then, what would be your dream gig? Like, movie, series, franchise, doesn't matter. 100%
1: an action film where I get to hang from the skids of a helicopter by my knees, and I don't even care what the gag is. So, I just want to hang from a helicopter by my knees, and I want those big film residuals.
0: <laughs> you know what? That would be a lot of fun. Like, just be hanging there, like, just fly.
1: I mean, think of all the guys that got to, like, hang out of helicopters being, like, machine gunners and, you know, all the Vietnam movies. Like, there were so many jobs for guys hanging out of helicopters, but I don't see a lot of women doing it. We need a reason. We need a female writer to uh, come up with some action stuff for us.
0: Yep. 100%. Like, just thinking about it, too, like, women in helicopters, let alone hanging out of helicopters, but women in helicopters are not common in film. So... Yeah, I'm on it. I'm I'm writing down ideas.
1: Yeah, I think the only one I can even think of is that Meg Ryan one where they're trying to figure out if they want to give her the Medal of Honor as what, twenty years ago or something.
0: Yeah. Yep. The only time, time Yeah, the only time I can think about of even like female like female lead characters in a helicopter would be Jumanji. And that's like the only one I can think yep, of in that. general. And yep. she it wasn't even a stunt. She was just in the helicopter. That was an awesome scene, but still.
1: Right, but yeah, I digress. Yeah, the other one was a pilot. So yeah, hanging from the skids of a helicopter in an action zone. That would be my dream
0: job. 100%, makes sense. All right, and let's play our final spilled segue number three called Just a Minute. I'm going to give you a topic and your task is to talk about that topic for one full minute. Are you ready?
1: Uh, I'm going to (laughs) try.
0: All right, your topic is
1: women in stunts. Go. (laughs) I think there need to be more movies for women to perform in stunts because there's still a big discrepancy between how many female officers you see. If you want women to grow up and be police officers, you need to show them on TV. If you want to see women of all races, colors, creeds, then we need to be writing those scripts to see them more. I don't think it should just be dudes. There are women in the military. There are women in combat, women in armed forces, women in search and rescue, women in firefighting. I mean, women do everything. So why are you not seeing them as much in big action films other than like your kind of classic, you know, atomic blonde or, um, you know, I mean, you know, you've, you've got your regulars and there aren't that many. So you've got some big franchises, but again, a lot of those women who made it to the top are EPs and putting their own money to be in those films as well, or to support those films. When we are not making a ton of money, then we're just trying to get in those roles. So we can't always write our own roles.
0: Perfect. And you have, and now what are people's perceptions surrounding the job, particularly as a female working in the industry?
1: Without the female aspect, a lot of people think we're daredevils, which I despise. A lot of stunt performers despise that stereotype that we're daredevils because it is 100% calculated risk. We are trying to find safe ways to do these things. Um, Almost almost to the effect that a lot of the old timers think that it's becoming too safe and it's not stunts and it's not organic and blah, 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 blah. So... As women <laughs> women instance, um when you meet people, they just want to say, "Oh, that's so badass, but they're not really thinking about what you do, what goes into it, you know, how you spend your days. A lot of my days, I'm training because I need to, um whether it's cars, motorcycles, falls, uh fight choreography, you know, I don't have typical days, whereas a lot of people you meet are used to kind of nine to five stuff, and they don't know how to work with <laughs> what you got going on. They probably just think that like you you don't. Work or you make so much money you don't need work. I don't. I don't know what people think honestly. It's just I know it's kind of a mixed bag as a woman in stunts. They want to say it sounds really cool, but then when they really see your lifestyle, they're like, can't hang. I <laughs> know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then, what do you wish you had known when you started out? I wish I had known that I could do this years ago. Uh, one, I do believe that I was meant to come into it later in life because I think I had to learn a lot of professionalism, get my, you know, tough skin, because, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's a game of rejection, or, you know, it's a game of chance, but you might not be what they're looking for has nothing to do with you. And a lot of people can't take that rejection, but it's it's not a rejection. It's just not your time. So I definitely believe that training needs preparedness. And if you train your time will come. But again, it's all that networking. It's that business aspect of it.
0: And that's something I also realized um doing martial arts competitions is how if you don't win, it's not because you did a bad job or because you're not a good actor or whatever, your performance wasn't good. Maybe they just found someone better or someone who suited the role better or something like that. Like it has nothing to do with you necessarily. It's just what the judges or the director or someone perceived and what they wanted for their film. Well, one of
1: the hard things I've had to deal with lately is um now that there is a little bit more of a push for diversity, I've had either coordinators or coordinator's assistants reach out to me and ask emphatically, um, are you Hispanic? We have to ask. We need to know, are you sure you're Hispanic? Because I don't look stereotypical Hispanic. And that's someone else's stereotype. I am very Hispanic. I am Spanish. I am Navajo. And I am Mexican. And, um, you know, having a grandmother straight out of Mexico, but people thinking I'm Italian is kind of like a, you know, kind of a mixed bag of emotions because you're like, uh, What? Uh, (laughs) So anyway, these coordinators or their assistants reach out to me and they're like, we really need Hispanic. We want to hire you. But it's up to the director. But it's up to someone else. We want to hire you. I'm going to put you in for the job. But then you don't get it. And you know that someone's in your corner in the room, but you're still not getting the job. And it makes you wonder, am I not fitting someone's stereotype? Is that what's going on here? And you have to just like let it go and move past it because it isn't what it isn't. (laughs) <laughs> exactly it,
0: exactly that's also the hard part though is getting your mindset really in the sense of you're like it's not about me it's not about me it's not about me it's not about me whereas you're just like but but what what if I did something what if what if it's something about like my performance what if it's something about the way I look blah blah, blah. but it's like it's not about you you may just not fit what they wanted or their stereotype for the role so like just really getting your head around that's the hard part I would say
1: 100 percent, it really is because if you believe in yourself and a lot of people have that, you know, kind of, you know, oh, am I good enough? Am I not good enough? They look in the mirror and they're like, oh, I have wrinkles today or, oh, my hair is not doing what I want it to. People beat themselves up at the beginning of the day sometimes instead of like starting with a high five. And so when it comes to, you know, believing I want I want this job, I'm ready for this job. This job is perfect for me. And then you don't get it and you have to stay out of that negative mindset. You're like, you know, what? this just wasn't the
0: one. There, there's definitely that aspect as well and what's the best advice you've ever received
1: the best advice I've ever received is thank you for your feedback no one actually said it to me in that respect like oh you should learn this phrase it's something I picked up along the way is that you know everyone has a different way of doing things um Stunts is even less cut and dry than, than acting is. Uh, everyone has their own opinions. Each generation of coordinators has their own opinions, how things should look. You, know, you get in the acting world and you know your resume should look this way. When you're in the stunt world and you're putting your reel together, people might not want to see your face and your name first. They want to see the action first or vice versa. So you get so many different opinions and so much different feedback on what people do, don't like, and want to see that you just have to sit back and say, thank you for your feedback because you never know who's going to want to be your mentor and you don't get to pick your mentors. I mean, you can try networking, <laughs> but you know, working coordinators don't have the time. So yeah. if someone's willing to give you feedback, give you tips, give you tricks, um, take it with a grain of salt. You know, uh, it's been suggested to me, get a notebook, write down every coordinator you meet and what their different quirks are. This person likes this, this person hates this. And, you know, so you kind of have a, a running thing of, you know, how to network with those people and how to work with those people because, um, yeah, thank you for your feedback is better than, oh, I thought of this or, oh, I thought of that or somebody else told me this because it comes across as, okay, I just shared my knowledge with you and you're crapping on it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're not listening to me is all they hear. If you say anything in response to what their opinion is, it comes across as you're not listening. So, you're like, oh my god, thank you so much for your feedback. But be genuine about it. I'm not saying it like in a dismissive way whatsoever. But really, learn to just shut your mouth and say, you know what? Yep. Thank you for your feedback, and then process it later.
0: Exactly. And now it's time to get to know more about you with some of Spillage's just curious questions. So, if you could compare yourself with
1: any animal, which would it be and why? Hundred percent female lion. <laughs> Not just because I'm a Leo, but because I feel like in the animal kingdom, the female lion is that is that rough, badass, I'm going to take care of stuff, and is also that, you know, cub caregiver as well, you know? So I don't think there's anything that the female lioness can't do or won't do to survive, to make it happen, to persevere, and she will die trying. Yes, 100%. <laughs>
0: And also to protect her family, right? Like, the, there was one story that went around of um, she killed the male lion in the area because he was going to go after the babies. And I'm like, determined, determined queen. <laughs> and then what's the most important thing you've learned in life?
1: Family first. Honestly, um, I had a corporate job and it was a management job and they sent us to this training um, about, you know. Trying to, I think, instill work-life balance, even though in reality there wasn't any. So they did this thing at the end of the um, training where they said, okay, all of you are in a lifeboat. So all these other new hires, also managers, they put 10 of you together. (coughs) And it's called the lifeboat exercise. They said, your ship is sinking. Only one of you can survive. You all need to decide that one person who's going to carry on your message. The entire entire group unanimously chose me. And I carry that to this day because uh, I'm super honored by that because these were all strangers. We, you know, did two, three days of training and they all chose me for their death message to their families. And I tell you, not one person said, oh, call the boss. I'm not coming in. No one's final message had anything to do with work. Of course. It was about their family. <laughs> I would hope not.
0: I, I would hope. I would hope that someone has like family or something.
1: It's not. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. I know. So that was just crazy that all of these strangers chose me to carry on their message. And I was like, and all of their messages were for family. So yeah, 100%. Like, like family and career sometimes go neck and neck because, you know, we got to chase our passions and our loves as well. But my kid comes first 100%. I'm there for family as much as I can be. And um, family is what matters because they are your legacy.
0: True, true. And now pretend you're CEO. Speaking of business, uh... Pretend you're a CEO. What three concerns about the firm's future keep you up at night? Um
1: profit and loss ratio. <laughs> yes. and yeah, fair. But really, you don't have a business if you, you know, if you don't have income. But um yeah. but being relevant and keep going. So you mentioned conflicted films. Absolutely. I'm writing a script. I'm writing a feature film with a badass female role and what I would like to be the biggest female stunt scene ever. Um so, you know, just making sure that what I'm putting out there content wise is what people want to receive. So I've moved away from horror movies. You know, I've loved horror movies as a kid, but that's not what I want to perpetuate. I want yep. to perpetuate strong female roles, underdog roles, and create more jobs for women.
0: Wow. That's an ambitious goal, I'm not gonna lie, but that's it's actually <laughs> really nice to hear.
1: Working on it. Working on it.
0: (laughs) And then people think that becoming a stunt performer is difficult and often ends in failure. Why do you think people believe that?
1: Because they don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think a lot of people will have ideas about what they want to do, and what kind of jobs, not knowing really what's involved, which is great that why you're doing this podcast, right, is a deeper dive into what's behind the scenes, what we don't see when you're looking at this type of career field. But again, it's not for the meek. It is for an ambitious person that is very outgoing and likes to be physically active and, you know, wants to put out good content and is willing to make a lifestyle and, A business plan that you're not going to (laughs) fail. But yeah, a lot of people run out of money. A lot of people, um, you know, increase their excuses. Um, But again, it all goes back to knowing the business to be successful. And if you don't know the business, of course, you're going to like be a naysayer because you don't know what you're talking about. Right. And I feel like that
0: is something that's actually quite sad in our society today is people are either really quick to judge or They really enjoy something, but financial financial profit runs them out of the industry. Like, they just can't afford to continue something. And that's something even my sister has said mainly, is money should not dictate what you do or do not do with your life. Like, if you want to be a stunt performer, money should not be the deciding factor. And I definitely agree with that. Like, I can't imagine really, really loving something and then being like, oh, well, sorry, you're out of funds,
1: so uh, ta-ta, like. I would suck. Yeah, and that's where, yeah, and that's why gig work is great, because I wouldn't want to make a living on gig work, but it does support me between, you know, the different shows, and the jobs, or, you know, COVID. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> um, so, so knowing what your resources are, and what other opportunities are out there, I mean, that's why being a server is great for the acting community, because there's a million serving jobs out there, so if you need to make rent, but then all of a sudden that that key audition comes up but you have to work you gotta drop the job for the audition because your career isn't serving your career is acting right so same thing with stunts i know guys that are living out of their cars to make it happen i know people moved to atlanta because they weren't making it in la so they're trying different things Uh, and i do know stunt performers that during the pandemic moved back home and switched gears if you can't see yourself doing this for the rest of your life or growing into a different position from what you learn Then, no, there's something else out there for you and you got to figure it out. A natural progression, but not everyone's progression is a lot of people think, okay, you're a stunt performer. You must be on a path to be a coordinator. It's honestly not my path. No one's ever asked me. I've had people give me their advice, assuming that's my career path. But again, um, that's because that was the natural transition. You become a stunt performer and then you become a coordinator but again I want to get into directing personally but I enjoy knowing all aspects of the film business I act I do stunts I'm a scriptwriter right now and I yeah. will be a director so there's so many options and what works for me what keeps me going with it is I've had over 40 jobs in my life the one thing I've been fired from is babysitting <laughs> all
0: things <laughs> yeah all things
1: I have mastered many a jobs and, you know, just like you, you kind of hit a wall if you're not passionate about it. With the film industry, no two days on set are ever the same. And that fits my personality. There's always something to learn. There's always someone new. There's always something new. And a lot of times it's laughs. A lot of times it's fun or, you know, you learn something serious. But there are so many aspects to filmmaking. You know, it just really keeps me fueled and keeps me interested that I don't want to do anything else in my life.
0: And time for one of my favorite questions of the day, but what is the last thing you Googled?
1: <laughs> to be fully honest. <laughs> no, it was, it It was trying to find out who the top female step coordinators are out there and step performers come up or you have to dig a little deeper and you don't really get the answers because how do you judge that? Right. I mean, I know we have the tourist awards, um, but really, it's hard to find those answers because a million men come up, you know, and you kind of have to sift through and see what women are doing what.
0: Because
1: yep. there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of women stunt performers that are coordinating these days, but, um, you know, without going to certain databases like Stuntmen Association or, you know, supporting stunts and, you know, you got to find them. There are resources, but that is honestly the last thing I Googled was who are the top female stunt coordinators. And I didn't really find what I was looking for.
0: I love how yours is so industry focused. I think mine are either Google Translate because I go to a French school. So definitely we definitely need to translate some stuff. And um, how much does King's College tuition cost? Because I found out they had a criminology program, which was actually very exciting. Because, okay, that school looks like it's a college around here. It's with Western. It looks like a fairy tale castle. Like, as a joke, I'm like, oh, I want to go there when I'm older. And then I'm like, oh, You have some of the programs I'm interested in. Oh, well. So (laughs) it was me doing research for, you know, seven years in the future, but yay. Nice. And I don't,
1: there was no Google when I was your (laughs)
0: age. That's weird to think about. That's actually really weird to think about.
1: Well, I know I wanted to go to Colorado schools because I wanted to snowboard in college and then, you know, go boating in the summertime. And uh, turns out at the time, a lot of the colleges I wanted to go to were engineering based and that that's not me
0: (laughs) (laughs) and now it is time for our last question of the day which is if you could give advice to young girls looking to get into the stunt world what would it be
1: go for it try things do your homework connect with people just like you reached out to me i mean there are there are a ton of resources out there um I know it kind of sucks Instagramming like on Messenger because a lot of the big stuff women probably don't respond to their own messages and some do. Uh, maybe find some middle of the road ones that will reach back and don't have PR people. Um, but you know what? Just reach out, write a letter, send emails, work through someone's agent and, um, you know, find out if you can shadow someone or, you know, talk to them for a minute, You know whatever you can do. But do your research, you know, and just know that it's accessible. It's available. You just have to have the drive to do it.
0: That's all the time we have. I could have asked you so much more. But before we go, do you have any final words of wisdom that you'd like to leave our audience with?
1: Live your life. Enjoy it. I mean, I am so much about quality of life um, over quantity in the bank because money comes and goes. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying be stupid with money, but really enjoy your life day to day. Like you know, whatever you're busy with today might not matter tomorrow. And by tomorrow, I mean a year from now. So really reevaluate what matters in life and get out there and enjoy it before it's gone.
0: Fantastic. And once we're off air, where can our viewers find you? Andriana
1: Garbiso underscore the only one on Instagram.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for being ready to spill it with us, Andriana. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today.
1: So happy you had me.
0: This week's episode, featuring stunt performer, actor, and filmmaker Andreana Garbizo, has come to an end. But the fun doesn't have to end here. If you have any questions, suggestions, or feedback, head on over to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Like, share, and get involved. Until next time, stay awesome, stay driven, and always be ready to spill it. Akaya, out.